I remember a story about David and how David um, was king of Israel. David was a, an interesting character because he was, um, he was a psalmist. He was a songwriter. Uh, most of the book of Psalms was written by, or a lot of, large portion of the, of the book of Psalms was written by David. And he was also a prophet. He prophesied. He, he declared things. Matter of fact, he, he prophesied about the Messiah, Jesus. And you can read that in Psalms uh, 23 and 24. And then um, we also know that he was not only king, but he also was a great and mighty warrior. David knew how to go to battle and win the victory, you know. And he had taken his men out on a, a war tour, if you will, to conquer the nations that God had specifically told him to go after. And so they went out to war. And when they came back, you know, it's just like the devil that here you are trying to be obedient to what God asks you to do. And then there's this silent attack that happens that it was unbeknownst to you. You didn't know this was going to happen. You didn't know this was going to take place. And when they came back, they came back to their whole entire village, their whole village, because it was like a pop-up place with the, with the family members of all the captains and all the soldiers um, were, and the whole place had been burned down with fire. Here's David out there serving God, you know, taking care of the enemies of God. And doing what God's asked him to do. And, and when he comes back, he comes back to not just a mess, but complete devastation. Again, unbeknownst to him, the enemy was at work, but he didn't know it. And so not only was the entire village that they had burned down to the ground, but the story goes on. The Bible begins to tell the rest of the story, which is more sad, that all the women, all the wives... All the children, both boys and girls, were taken captive by their enemies. And so when they came back, there was nothing there. Not, everything was completely gone. And, of course, this grieved David. David, being a wise man, did not know what to do. And then if that wasn't bad enough, all the men that he took to war came back, and they began to gripe and complain about David and say, if it wasn't for you, we'd still have our families, we'd still have a roof over our heads. Now, David's just trying to be obedient. Like some of you, just being obedient to God, trying to do what God's asked you to do. And again, you didn't know that the enemy was working behind the scenes to take from you your most prized possession. I'm preaching to maybe two or three people here today, but the rest of y'all need to pay attention. I'm tr trust me. And and he didn't know what to do. And the men were griping and complaining against him. And they sought to kill him. Derail him or kill him or take him out. And, and so David wept, the Bible says. And he asked for the priest to come, Abathar, and said, please bring me the ephod. And, and, and they brought the ephod to him. And the ephod was a mysterious uh, um, a, a, a mantle that the priest would wear of different jewels that were upon it. And when God would speak, the, the thuman the Bible talks about, and the ephah would begin to glow. There would be, it, was, it was a mysterious thing in that time. It was a supernatural thing that would happen on something, a piece of cloth and jewels that were natural. And he said, bring me the ephah that I may inquire of God of what to do. Sometimes it's best to not just react to a situation, but ask God what you're supposed to do. Has it come down to asking God? And so he asked God, he says, Lord, what would you have me do? Do I retreat or do I pursue? What would you have me do? And God responded. 
Just like I believe God is responding right here, right now to you and to me. See, we, some of y'all need to get your fight back. Some of y'all need to get your bulldog faith back. That when you bite down, you clamp on, you ain't going to let go. No matter what it looks like, no matter what comes your way. You're... And uh, bulldog tenacity faith, you know. And the Lord said, watch what God said. He said, pursue and recover all. Pursue and recover all. I want to declare this in this house this morning and those that are watching right now on your devices, your computers, or your television screen, everything that has been stolen, taken, or missing is coming back in your life in the name of Jesus. If you believe it, give God a good big shout of praise. We are living under an open heaven and this devil is doing everything he can the Bible says he comes down uh, with great wrath, uh, but only for an opportune time, meaning that his time is short. Why? He's doing everything he can uh, to upturn what God's about to do in your life. But hear the prophet of the Lord this morning. There is an open heaven uh, over your life, uh, and if we we'll declare it and decree it, it will come to pass. Come on. The title of my message this morning is Restore. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you so very much for the anointing that's now been released in this house, Lord God. We thank you that there's a presence here to flow, Lord God, that will not shrink back, Lord God, that will actually propel us and push us forward. For I feel the Holy Ghost pushing us forward this morning in the mighty name of Jesus, and we give you praise. Now, Lord God, take these words, Lord God, that I've written down and studied and put in my heart and anoint them because they're no good without your anointing. Lord God, that it would flow into the hearts of your people and make uh, indelible imprints, Lord God, and forever changes, I pray. In the mighty name of Jesus, everybody said a big amen. And amen and amen. This morning, I want to give you some practical decisions. I'm going to do my best to put my teacher's mantle on because we need some teaching, okay? I'll probably end up preaching because I can't help myself. That's just me. But let me just, let me do this. I want to give you some practical decisions that you will have to make um, that you have to make, that to be made by you, decisions you make to get your destiny back, get your stuff back, and get your life back. I truly believe that the faster you are in making a decision about where you're at and where you want to be, the faster your help will come. So if we want help to come out of Zion, to come out of heaven, we got to be ones that make decisions that are based upon God's will for our lives. Remember, we're, we're, we're believers in Christ, right? We're Christians, so we're Christ-like. So we're supposed to be doing what God wants us to do. But it comes down to right decisions. Because let me just tell you what I feel. I feel very strongly to remind some people about what God called you to do. God has not changed his mind. This is not a chance for you now to make a decision that's not based upon God's will for your life. Some people want to uproot and move. Some people want to change vocations. Some people want to change marriage partners. Some people want to change a lot of things in life. Can I keep it real this morning? And I'll try to be PG along the way. Hallelujah. My point to you is this, is that sometimes we want to make decisions that God says, hold on now. This is not the time for that decision. I need you to make your decision based on my will, on my desire, on my wants, and not yours. Amen. Everybody say, God can and God will turn it around. 
I remember my wife and I being in a place, and many of those stories we call it the Madison Experience. And this was back in 1997, and we felt led to start a church in Madison, Wisconsin. So we launched out. We did everything the right way. We launched out from our church, and we went and started this little church in, in Madison, Wisconsin. And so everything pointed that way. And so we went, and it didn't work out the way we thought it was supposed to work out. I couldn't get it to grow. We worked hard. Everything I did uh, up until that point, my wife and I did, we, it was successful. I'm not trying to be bragging. I'm just saying the truth. It was it, what we did worked, and, and God would bless it, and sometimes bless it beyond even our dreams. And so we just kind of had that Midas touch, and we, so we thank God for it. I mean, it was a beautiful expression of the Lord to be able to work in that kind of capacity. So we had no doubt in our minds that when we started the church in medicine, it would be nothing but what? Successful, because we had never known real any type of real, what we, we consider perceived failure. And so we went, and we just couldn't, out of all the hard work and all the prayer, all this, we couldn't get the church to really grow. You know, we had maybe, I don't know how many members, maybe 30, 40 people tops. Maybe 40 would have been high, so I'd say more than 30 in about a year and a half. And so we, we just, we labored hard, and it just wasn't working out. I remember just complaining to God and saying, and, 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 and kind of getting angry with the God and saying, Lord, you know, why did you put us out here to embarrass us like this, you know, because after all, it's about my ego. Amen. I, I, and, I, and I didn't think of it that way. I just felt like God was trying to make me the poster child of what not to do. So when you looked it up in the dictionary, it would say poster child for not what to do, and you see my picture. I felt like an idiot. I'm out here, and God, it's not working. I felt you called me to do this, and what's happening out here? Why would you call me to do this? And it looks like everything, we, all the money we put in this, all the time we put in this, all the effort, all the people we said goodbye to, and, and, and they, they wished us well, and, and now here we are out here floundering. Lord, what is this all about? And I'll never forget, uh, I was so frustrated, so angry, and, 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 and my, our friends decided they were going to be going to Florida, and within less than 10 hours, we rearranged our schedule, and we ended up going to Florida with them. We all drove down together. So we, I just got to get out of here for a while. So we went to Florida for a week and, and um, had some people take our, our church schedule over and stuff like that. And so we went, and as I'm there, I remember we're driving back from Disney. where Everybody's tired, tired from Disney World all day, and I'm driving back. Everybody's sleeping. And I, the presence of God comes in our van. I had a van at that time. And, um, and I, I felt the Lord so strong, and, and I thought, here it is. God's finally going to answer me. You know, when you think God's going to answer you, you think he's going to tell you what you want to hear. He's a good, good father. Come on, so say amen. He's going to tell me what I want to hear. And the Lord spoke to me, and I was ready to hear it. And he said these words, and I wasn't ready to hear this part. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Let not that man think that he can receive anything from the Lord. Now go back and do what I called you to do. But what you're calling me to do is killing me. What you're calling me to do is embarrassing me, man. This is not comfortable to me. Go back and do it. You are double-minded. You're in one day, you're out the next. You're in one day, you're out the next. Just do what I ask you to do. And I'm telling you, we went back, and we did start to see a little growth begin to happen in our church. Why? Because I became a single mind. I don't care what it looks like. This is what we're going to do for right now. This is what God calls us to do. So I'm going to do this until Jesus comes back or tells me to do something else. I'm making a quality decision. Within weeks, God gives me a vision. Most of you know the story. 
And I'm, I'm in our, it was after a Sunday morning time, I was preaching, and I went and put my Bible down to greet the new visitors that were there that day, and the Spirit of God came upon me, and I began to weep uncontrollably. I didn't even know what was going on. I just started weeping. I shut my door, went back to my office. I could hear people talking in the sanctuary, the little, the little room we had that was our sanctuary, and I'm, I'm over there, and I'm crying, saying, God, what? God, what? And God gives me a vision. In the vision, I see a cloud, and in the cloud, I see arms of all different colors, ethnicities, and they're waving in motion to me like this. And they, I heard voices within the clouds say, please come. We need you here. Please come. We need you here. And God spoke to me and said, now I want to release you from here to go to Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And the rest is history, y'all. That all came. Say what you want. But we had to walk through the valley of the shadow of death to find that God had ultimately prepared a table before us in the presence of our enemies. And that table is right here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And look what the Lord has done these 21 years. Somebody give the Lord a shout! Why? I made a decision that whatever God says for me to do, even if it embarrasses me, I'm going to do it with all I have. Amen. Let me give you some key decisions that will have to be made in order for you to get back up and get restored where you're supposed to be. Number one, make the decision. And a couple of these, by the way, uh, I spoke a little bit on Thursday night, so if you want to get all of it, you can, get, you can listen to the last message on Thursday. Number one, make the decision that your words matter. Make a decision that whatever you say comes out of your mouth has power and it has authority. Whether it be negative or whether it be positive. Make a decision that words matter. What I say will become the direction of my life. If my news comes out of my mouth and it's all bad news, I should not be freaked out when bad begins to happen to me because I spoke it way back when. James 3 says this in verse number 4. Look also at ships. Although they are so large and driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder. Wherever the pilot desires, even so the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. Now, I'm not going to get into all the tongue does. That's a long scripture there. Now, what I want to say is this. Is the tongue is likened to the rudder of a ship, a large ship. And wherever the direction of that rudder goes, it becomes the direction of the ship. Or what? The destination or the destiny of the ship. The direction. So whenever you begin to speak the right things, what happens? Your ship or your life begins to move in the right direction, giving you the right destination, which is the right destiny. But when I begin to speak the wrong things, that's why my wife said by the Spirit of God, you need to fast the next seven days of news. That wasn't a suggestion. I believe that God is saying, if you'll do this, Look what God will do for you. God will begin to open you up to a wealth of positivity, positivity from his word that you'll begin to speak rather than what the news is saying. And your life will begin to move in that direction. Are y'all flowing me so far? So now, your, your, your words matter. Church, when God wanted to create the world, what did he do? What did he do? He spoke. He spoke. Spoken into existence. He spoke it. And the Bible says that you and I are made in his image, which means we are to, that word image means to function as. So in other words, we're to function like God functions. So what does that mean? That means that when we want to create, we do it first by speaking. We declare what we want first. That's why the Bible says that God can do nothing in this earth 
unless he reveals it to his prophets. He tells his secrets to his prophets. Why? He has to have a mouthpiece to create what he wants to do in the earth. If he doesn't have a mouthpiece to speak it in the earth first, it would be illegal. He couldn't do it. But because he made it to function, some of y'all look at me like it's the first time you heard this. Good. Get this in your spirit. Your words matter. You are like God. Whatever you say gives it legal entrance into your life and will procreate or it will begin to create that thing in your world. That's why when Job said, the thing that I greatly feared has come upon me, and I'm not at ease, and I'm not quiet. Had he shut his mouth, had he been quiet, the bad would not have happened to him. But because he wasn't at ease and began to speak those things that be not as though they were, those bad things begin to come into his life. Church, your words matter. God wants somebody who will speak his will and his word in the earth and in your life. Everybody say this after me. Say, I am the greatest prophet of my own life. Somebody say amen to that. You're your own prophet in that particular situation. You are the one that had the most power over your own life by coming to agreement with what God has already said by speaking those things. Words are creative forces that bring into existence that which never existed before. Romans 4.17, as it is written, I have, I have made you a father of many nations, speaking of Abraham, in the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead, here it is, and calls those things that do not exist as though they did. You know, when you're talking faith language, it's a foreign language to the world. So when the economy breaks down and people losing their job and you say everything's going to be all right, you know, to them, that's, that's crazy talk. But faith is crazy. And sometimes we need a crazy faith. Come on, somebody. That will speak things that be not as though they were. Okay. Uh, in other words, in other words, in other words, church, declare order in the middle of the chaos declare what you desire it to be based on what it already is i said this on thursday night you don't have to speak As a matter of fact you're not supposed to speak about your mountain quit talking about your problem Jesse DePlanis said something this morning. I was listening to him as I was getting ready this morning, and I thought, wow, it's so simple but so powerful. He said, he said, he said, you would do, he said, you would move the mountain if you really knew what was on the other side of it. But the problem is, we don't really believe what's on the other side of it, so we end up talking about the mountain. And we know the story that when you talk about the mountain, you end up circling the mountain round and around and around and around and around and around. But when you do what Jesus said and speak to the mountain, declare what you want it to be. It's got to move out of your way. I wonder what's in your way right now that's been hampering you and holding you back from your destiny. Why don't you stand flat-footed today sometime and say, in the name of Jesus, Get up out of my way, devil. Somebody been praying because somebody's pulling this out of me today. Hallelujah. Job twenty two twenty eight. you will also declare a thing. You will declare a thing. Your decree is what that means. A decree, a thing. What's a thing? Anything. And it will.
established for you. So light will shine on your ways. Established, cause to be recognized and accepted. To be set into a secure position. When I decree a thing, God establishes it. And when, verse 29, when they cast you down, you say. He tells you how to talk. When life is putting you down. When the devil's been attacking you. When he's trying to steal everything from you. But you say something different. You don't say, well, it's been bad. It's been tough. I don't know how I'm going to get through this one. Well, I just hope God does something. I hope my prayer works. I hope God, hope ain't going to get it done. Hope ain't going to get it done. You got to call those things that be not as though they were. You say, exaltation shall come. Promotion is what that means. No matter how much you say, I'm going down, I prophesy, my promotion is nigh. My promotion is coming to pass. Amen. And amen. Calm down now. Praise the Lord. It is Sunday morning. Hallelujah. Number two, make a decision to be expectant of something good happening to you. Number two, make a decision to be expectant that something good is going to happen to you. Look, it's only when you're expectant that you will find doors of opportunity. Psalms 62.5, my soul waits silently for God alone. Mind, soul means mind, will, and emotion. You wait silent. You shut down. You will not curse God's blood. You now stop it because your mind wants to cuss. Well, y'all too dignified, too Christian for that. Uh, I've been saved long enough and been pastoring people long enough now three decades to know Christians cuss. When the pressure gets on. And I'm not just talking about cuss words. I'm talking about curse words. What's the opposite of the blessing? Curse. What's the curse? Anything opposing what God has promised or said. So we end up cursing and cussing. <laughs> but so, be quiet now. For my expectation is from God. I'm expecting something good. Devil, you get out of my head. I don't care what it looks like. I know my God's going to come through. Ain't my, ain't, devil said, well, how is it going to happen? You know how much money you owe. You know what, how, what's happening in that relationship. You, you know what the doctor said about that report. How's this going to happen? My expectation is from God. Psalms 130 verse 5. I, I'm not supposed to know how. He does the howling. My job is to do the believing. That's not good English, but it'll work for today. Psalms 130 verse 5. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. Mind, will, emotions. Wait, be patient now. And in his word, I do hope. Hope means expectancy. Hope deferred, the Bible says, makes the heart sick. What does it mean? It means it steals the fight, the vigor out of you. It steals and robs that fight 
out of you. Church, you have to remember, especially when you're down, God is working good things out in your favor. It may look like it's bad, but God's about to do something that's going to blow your mind. I know you've been through some hard times. And ain't nobody going to say you haven't been through some tough times. But just know that God's going to work it out for his good. Somebody say amen. Romans 8 verse 28. And we know that all things. How many, how many is all things? Pretty much all. <laughs> things work together for good to those who love God. To those who are, are the called according to his purpose. Abraham was a man of expectancy. Remember, he said, God said, you will have a son in your old age, you and your wife. Her being uh, 90, him being 100 years old, he, he had to live in a place of expectancy. And when that hope and expectancy came together, expectancy is, is, is faith, y'all. It's, it's saying, I know what God's going to do. He said he gave me a promise. And when you latch on to that, what happened? Sarah becomes pregnant in her old age. Impossible. Not possible, being that she was already past the age. It wasn't like they were getting pregnant back in those days at that, that age. She was well advanced in age. And the Bible says what happened was because of her expectancy and his expectancy, she became expectant. Listen, keep your eyes. Keep your focus on your desired destination. Don't get off track. We live in a world of, of sound bites and news cycles. And I told my wife the other day, and, and, and please hear me on this one. It's a little off the beaten path, but hear me out. You'll get it. I said, my wife said, the worst thing that ever happened in America and then around the world was the development of a 24-hour news station. It was the worst thing that could possibly happen to us. And she said, yeah. I said, well, think about this. I said, they got to keep, if it's a 24-hour news cycle, right, they've got to keep 24 hours of news before you. And so, and so now they've got to keep you watching that news. And the news that sells the human nature is bad news and not good news. And you ever notice, it's like every hour there's an update. The music, boom, psh. Uh, whatever newscast is, an update. We now just heard that. It's the same thing you told us an hour ago. But they got us built up. Boy, hold on, something's going to happen. Right? We live on these sound bites and these news cycles and with social media. It just put gasoline on top of the fire. Everybody's mad. What you mad about? I don't know. I'm just mad. Why? I'm supposed to be, I guess. Everybody else is mad too. Hallelujah. Right? Think about this. And what happens is, what happens is it, those, those sound bites and news cycles and social media updates and all that stuff, it takes our focus off of what God has called us to do in our individual lives and also in the church. Amen. And then what you got to do now is get it back and learn and nurture your expectancy and the new possibilities. That's what Jesus said when he was uh, bringing the disciples by that field one day. And he says, tell me, what do you see? They said, a field. He said, no. He said, it's already, it's already got crops. It's already got a harvest. It's already ready. But it was springtime. It wasn't harvest time. 
What was he doing? He was saying, look again. Refocus. See the desired end. He's teaching us to look to see the future. But it takes great focus. So make a decision to focus on those things. Number three, that leads me to the next decision that you'll have to make for your total restoration. Three, you must decide to see or visualize your destiny. Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no revelation, that word means vision or prophetic perspective, the people give it away. They give up. They cast off restraint. But happy is he who keeps the law. Are you in need of a revelation of your future? Have you forgotten where God said he wants to bring you? Some of y'all are mature in age right now, and you've left it behind. Do you know that God doesn't care about how old you are? You, you're the one using the excuse of age. God didn't use it. I just told you, I got to tell you, Abraham birthed a nation at 100 years of age. He, his life actually began at 100. Do you need a revelation of your future? The first way to get a revelation of your future will be found firstly in the word of God. So if I need, a, I need to refocus my future, which I know there's people in this room like that and people that are watching me, you need to refocus your future. I got to get the word on it. Psalms 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet. What's revelation? It's light and darkness. It's the, the cartoon bulb, the light bulb that goes off. Oh, I got an idea. Remember? Wild E. Coyote trying to catch that roadrunner? Bing. You know, now his ideas, weren't, weren't, they didn't work out for him. But I'm just saying, it's a revelation, right? Your word is a revelation, a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. When we were believing God for a building, and way before we even knew this existed, I mean, I, I drove by the theater. This was a theater at one time. I drove by it, but, you know, there was... I, my, my mind never went here, right? And we were in, uh, we were in uh, the uh, St. Francis um, School Building. It was a, um, a theater that they had there. And so we were able to rent that. And um, we decided that God was calling us to have our own, our own place. We knew that it was time. We we're about, at that time, maybe about two years old as a church, going on uh, two and a half, three years. And, um, and so what I did was I made a decision that we were going to begin to confess the word of God. So every time we got together on Sundays and every time we got together on Thursdays, we put up on our screens and we would confess the word. As a church, visitors too, we'd all stand up and we all speak the word. And we, brought, we based it out of Deuteronomy where it talks about that God would give us wells that we didn't dig. He'd give us vineyards that we didn't plant and buildings that we didn't build. And so we started confessing that, Lord, here's what our desire. And we, started, we, started, we actually started saying we want plenty of parking. We want a big building that we can have children's ministry and that we can have multiple services in. And we, can have, we, started, we started listing out what we wanted the building to have, right? And then, of course, um, uh, we're, we're praying that we're believing God. Now, as we begin to confess that, what's happened to all of us? Where our eyes are being opened. We're starting to see in darkness. And one day I said, Lord, I need to know. I heard a preacher say years ago, whatever you need is already in that Bible. It's in the Word. I said, that lets me know, Lord, that my building is in the Word. Now, I might not have the address, but it's somewhere in that book. And God spoke to me, says, it is. Go to Mark chapter 11. I went to Mark 11. I couldn't believe what I saw. Mark 11 says this, and he said to them, go into the village opposite you. And as soon as you have entered it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has sat. And the Lord spoke to me and said, that colt 
is your building. He said, but the problem is the cult is in the place that's opposite you. So in other words, you don't have enough people to get it. You don't have enough money to get it. You don't have enough years under your belt as a church to get it. It's opposing you, but I'm saying you can have it. You hit the first three rows, but the rest of y'all, okay, but I'm, I'm kind of there. Now watch this. Watch this. He said, when you find it, it's going to be tied. It's going to be tied up, on which no one has sat. He said, loose it and bring it. And if anyone says to you, why are you doing this, say the Lord has need of it, and immediately he will send it here. The Lord says, it's going to be tied up. It's not going to be easy to get. You shouldn't be getting this in the natural. He said, but your job is to loose it and bring it here. In other words, what we do, we bind on earth is bound in heaven. What we loose on earth is loose in heaven. You got to pray, get spiritual warfare going on it. Come on, somebody, because I'm going to give you a supernatural victory. Man, that spoke to me. I said, that makes sense, Lord. He said, now, you're not doing it for you. You're doing it for me. So they went their way and found the colt. God said, I'm about to show you the building. He said, tied by the door outside in the street, and they loosed it. They prayed over it. And some of those who stood there said to them, what are you doing, loosing the colt? And they spoke to them Jesus, just as Jesus had commanded, so they let them go. Then they, they brought the colt to Jesus and threw the clothes, their clothes on it, and, and he sat on it. So Jesus gets on the colt, and, and, and they spread their clothes on the road, and others cut down leafy branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And Then those who went before him, they cried out, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord Hosanna in the highest and God says I'm going to do a miracle for you it's going to come in prayer I'm going to show you your cult it's going to be it's going to be it's going to it's going to be tied up but you're going to have the power to loose it and bring it to me but son it won't be for you bring it here to me dedicate it to me Hallelujah. And when God showed me this building, I came back, and the Lord, y'all know the story. I came back and said, the Lord gave us a building. It was all tied up. We didn't have it yet, but we began to confess and to pray. We didn't have the money for it yet, but we began to confess and pray. Our words matter. Somebody say amen. And the day came, and so we started negotiating the deal, and we bought this for a third of the price that they were asking for. What did we do? We got the building for a steal, just like Mark 11. Come on, somebody. They went, they got that colt. In other words, they stole that colt, but it wasn't because they stole it because they were taking it out of greed. They were giving it to God, and when Jesus saw it, Jesus came and swung his leg on top of that colt and rode it in. In other words, Jesus used it for his glory. And the people came out and gave him praise. Hosanna in the highest. If you're willing to give God some praise about what he's about to loose in your life, get up on your feet and give a praise shout right now. If you're willing, come on. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Woo, I felt that. Y'all watching me by your television said you should have shouted and got on your feet too. Ain't no time or no space. Hallelujah. Number four. Number four, make a decision to have and listen to the pastor, the shepherd that God places in your life. I'm not here by accident. I'm not to be treated like some just old, that's just old Jeff up there spouting and shouting and doing his little thing up there. 
You ought to listen to the prophet, priest, and king God puts in your life. And that doesn't mean that I'm exempt. I also need a pastor in my life. Everybody needs somebody that's willing to show them and mentor them. Not everyone is qualified, though, to speak in your life. You have many teachers, the Bible says, but you have not many fathers. Just because they have a Bible, just because they have a TV ministry or a large social media presence doesn't qualify them to tell you how to live your life. There are great men and women of God. Uh, we're on our camera here today. And there are great people. Joyce Myers is a wonderful teacher. T.D. Jakes is phenomenal. Joel Osteen is wonderful. Bill Winston, uh, Jesse DePlante, you name uh, Kenneth Copeland. I mean, it, there's some people that have paid a price and they've earned some rights, but not everybody can shepherd you like a local pastor can shepherd you. And we're going to get through this COVID. And we're coming back strong. And those that are watching us today, let's be honest. Some of y'all, you just sort of taking the lazy man approach. I'm just being honest with you. Some of y'all, you got real reasons. And, and, and I can't judge, though. I don't know who's who. I just know what the Lord's put in my own spirit. There's, a, there's already a poll that's come out that 33% of the church is not going back to church anymore. Because they found it so easy just to turn on their device and watch it. But that was, this underground church is only supposed to happen in seasons. But once this thing is over with, you're supposed to come back. And some are deciding to do that right now. And nobody's, I'm, people have masks on, some don't. Who, who am I? I don't judge nothing. I, I put my mask on when I need to put my mask on. I don't do it when I'm preaching because, you know. But, I, but my point is, is that I'm not trying to be a, a, any type of political thing or trying to pretend like I'm some sort of science. I don't know. But my point is this, is that at some point we're going to have the vaccine. The vaccine's coming. And here's the deal, church. Now we got to say we got to get people back in the house of God because everybody needs a shepherd. Now, that's local. Some of y'all watching me, you're not local, but you love this church and you can't find a church that, that has that type of feeling like you like here, then that's fine. We get that. But if there's not a reason for that, otherwise, you come to the house of God. Somebody say amen. By the way, our online presence has not only maintained but grown. We, we are reaching thousands of people every single week. You don't understand. We, had, we, we didn't even know this. Uh, we have uh, several thousand through Facebook. We have um, several hundred through um, uh, through YouTube uh, every single uh, uh, week. Uh, we have, we, we're getting 700 listens or downloads on our podcast every single week. This thing is exploding. And so we understand that's important. But it does not negate the responsibility of the believer to assemble themselves together. That's still God's best. That's still God's plan. Somebody say Amen. Your pastors, I love T.D. Jakes, but he can't pastor me. i got to have a local person that can pastor me. He should be the number one mentor. Look at some, uh, look at, look at some of those in, in Scripture that have maintained this exact model of mentorship. You have Jethro. He was mentored by Moses. Moses was mentored by Joshua and the elders of Israel. Joshua uh, mentored the other remaining uh, leaders of his army. Eli mentored Samuel. Samuel mentored Saul and David. Nathan, the prophet, also mentored David. 
David became Israel's greatest king, and David mentored his, his army commanders, his government officials to establish the union uh, between uh, Israel and others. David also mentored Solomon. Solomon mentored the queen of Sheba, who returned to her people with wisdom in the form of, of the Proverbs that applied to God's laws. Elijah mentored Elisha. Elisha mentored King Johash and others. Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar, and it goes on and on to Jesus mentors disciples. Disciples mentor there, and it just goes on and on. God always meant for us to have mentorship. Nobody is called to do life alone. And sometimes that will move into an area of rebellion. And rebellion to authority will be your ultimate demise. I, that attitude of I don't want nobody telling me what to do. Can I be honest with you? Jeff Pruitt doesn't want anybody telling him what to do either. I buck like everybody else, probably more than y'all. I don't like to be told what to do. Never have liked it. Hallelujah. I remember when I was a kid, I told my mom, I don't like to be told what to do. And she says, uh, she, she laughed and said something like, okay, genius, like, like we didn't know that already. Rebellion, though, does what? It, be, it becomes destructive. And I don't need anyone attitude is lonely, dangerous, it's immature, and quite frankly, it's insecure. We need somebody who can direct and help us in life that we can ask questions. And it will, it will keep you in isolation from the very people who are necessary to help you. It's always interesting to me how people... Um, Come into the church, and I'm not going. To be, I'm not in that kind of mood right now, but I, I'm in a good mood. But I, I, I don't like it when people come in and, and they, they want to tell me how I should run my church. And I and I I, I I I used to be real bold about certain things. I used to get kind of a little bit, you know, snarky on some of those things. Now I just I just smile. Well, praise God, thank you so much for your input, and I move on. But 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 I'll be honest with you. Inside, I want to slap you across your face. But that's just that's just me. I didn't do it. Huh? Y'all look at me like I actually did it. I just had a thought. I didn't do it. I, you should be applauding me. Thank you, Jesus. My pastor didn't slap him across the face. And, and they'll say things, well, this is what you should do. And I'm thinking to myself, I've been doing this for 30 years, Sherlock. I know what I'm doing here. And you, how long have you been in full-time ministry? I try, not for even five minutes, but you want to tell me my business? As if I don't know what you're saying already needs to be worked on or fixed already. But we're still waiting on God's people to be obedient. Jesse Plant said years ago, I love Jesse. I've been watching him a lot. He's so funny to me. And he's a friend of mine. And so he said this. He said, he said, he said your problem isn't money, pastor. Problem is money, pastor. Your problem is the obedience of the people to give it. Your problem, pastor, isn't that ministry getting started. Your problem is the obedience of your people to serve in it. Oh, I felt pretty good about myself, too. So, hallelujah. It's not on me. It's on them, Jesus. Hallelujah. But my point is, is that isn't that true? All our problems would be solved if everybody just would obey God. Many times, people leave the church because they cannot receive from the leadership. And I would say this, you've heard me say it before, some are sent and some just went. Don't be the just went crowd because you liked me for three weeks in a row because I preached something you agreed with. But that one message <laughs> that I preached stepped all over your toes, got all up in your business, made you squirm a couple times in your seat. Amen. Got you a little bit 
flustered and embarrassed because you just posted the opposite stuff two days ago. And I challenge you, and you're like, um, uh, this guy, I don't know if he's of God because, because I made you feel uncomfortable. Well, I didn't. The word did. Had a guy email me sometime back and, and said, hey, I, I, I want to start this ministry and ask you how to do it and da-da-da-da. And, you know, sometimes when people do that, they're looking for a place to preach, you know. So I, I was kind. I responded back, and I said, if you want to start a ministry, here's my suggestion to you. Listen to what I said. I said three things first. I said pray, pray, and then pray some more. Then uh, if you don't have a church, make sure you're in a good church that you can have the support of the people in prayer as well. And then make sure you have a good, strong pastor that you can become accountable to. And the two of you then can pray, and then there could be a release of that ministry. Never got a response back. Probably because I was not saying something that they wanted to hear. Number five, and I'll stop right here. When kids start crying, it's over. Praise God. That's just, that's just prophetic. They're just saying, it's enough. We're done. Number five, make a decision that, actually, we're at, we're at a time. Make a decision that a disappointment is not a missed appointment. Don't let discouragement hold you down. Don't let the feeling of rejection hold you back. Make a decision that a disappointment is not a missed appointment. So my wife and I went to Madison. It was very disappointing. It was hurtful. My ego was, I, admit, I can admit it now. I see it so clearly. My ego was completely in the way. I'm, I don't lose. I, I succeed. I'm successful. I, everything I do works. You know, I just make it work. Really? Really? Because if God's not in it, I don't care how hard you try. It ain't going to work. Not, not for those who really cry out to God and say, I want to be in your perfect will, oh God. And then you end up doing your will. And so, but it, it ultimately, that disappointment did not lead me to a missed appointment. It was still a part of God's plan. I don't look at the Madison experience as a failure, y'all. I look at it as all a part of the plan of God. He was grooming me to do what, preacher? It was a, it was a failure. No, it wasn't a failure. It was a part of my character building. It was a part of me understanding that it's not about Jeff Pruitt anymore. I can't build ministry for Jeff Pruitt or the way Jeff Pruitt wants it done. I had to come down a few notches so I would cry out in my humility to God and say, I'll do whatever you tell me to do, and I won't miss a beat because it's not about me. It's about you. You know, a lot of times we're doing things that have the hint of God in it, but God's not in it. We're trying to build things that God said, I didn't tell you to build, but I wanted to build this for you. Remember David? Let me build you a temple. I mean, I'm in this beautiful house of, of marble and cedar, and you're in a stinky old badger skin over here? And, and, and a tent? Let me build you a house. And God said, no. It's not for you to build, but I want to. I know you want to. Thank you. But it's not for you. It's for your son. But I'll allow you to build, uh, make the implements, and you can be a partner of it, but that's not what I asked you to do. And, and many times we're building things for God that God never asked us to build. And then we wonder why it doesn't work. And we say, but God, I did it for you. Did you really do it for him? Or did you need your name on something? Did you need a win? Did you need a W so that you could say, I did this? 
Yeah, you, we have to make sure that disappointments, though, do not become missed appointments. Trusting the word of God above what you are currently seeing and feeling breaks the bondage of disappointment. And I'm going to finish with this. Unresolved disappointment leads to discouragement. And discouragement leads to depression. And depression leads to hopelessness. And hopelessness leads to quitting. And quitting leads to failure. And failure leads to cynicism. And cynicism leads to untrusting. And untrusting leads to unbelieving. And unbelieving continues the cycle of one disappointment after the other. Don't allow the disappointment to become a missed appointment. Just understand it's all a part of the process of me growing.